106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Democrats claim that they care about incendiary rhetoric from politicians, but they don't. You Democrats don't care about the protesters outside Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's home this week who were threatening to, quote, break his raggedy neck and stab that mother effer in the heart and sexually assault his wife. You don't care that the reason Mitch McConnell broke his shoulder is because he fell, because he has leg problems, because he had polio as a child. You Democrats don't care that former Democratic Senator Barbara Boxer mocked McConnell for his injury and for his disability because she doesn't like his politics? You don't care that hashtag Massacre Moscow Mitch was trending after McConnell's injury and a CNN contributor and New York Times writer said this threat restored his faith in the country. You Democrats say you care about incendiary rhetoric from politicians, but you don't. You don't care that MSNBC's Nicole Wallace falsely accused President Trump of, quote, talking about exterminating Latinos when President Trump said no such thing. You don't care that Democratic Congressman Joaquin Castro doxed Trump donors and essentially encouraged harassment, shaming, boycotting, and even potentially violence against these people because of their political beliefs. You don't care that the ice bomber quoted Congresswoman AOC calling immigration detention facilities concentration camps. You don't care that AOC called immigration detention centers concentration camps in the first place and compared Republicans who want secure borders to Nazis. You don't care that Hollywood celebrities echoed calls for conservative radio show host Dana Lash to be turned into ashes because Dana dares to support our Second Amendment rights. You don't care that Republican Senator Rand Paul was attacked by his neighbor because of Senator Paul's political views. You don't care that Senator Paul had to have part of his lung removed this week thanks to that attack, and you don't care that Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar laughed at and mocked Senator Paul for being attacked just last week. You Democrats say you care about incendiary rhetoric from politicians, but you don't. Just as long as the vitriol and the hatred is coming from a politician in your own party, you don't care. All you care about is trying to destroy President Trump and assassinate the character of any American who dared to vote for him. And if that means resorting to lies and smears and disgusting baseless allegations of racism and ignoring or tolerating or even encouraging violence from people in your own party as long as it's aimed at Republicans and conservatives, you are okay with that. You say you care about incendiary rhetoric, but you don't. You hurl incendiary rhetoric yourselves. And that is so dangerous for our nation. Good day to you. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio. And uh, welcome. And this, if this is your first time, I'm not quite sure how you stumbled across us, but uh, let me give you a couple ways to connect with us, if you'd like, as you're listening today. Uh, this is our 19th uh, episode, 
and uh, this will be on the air starting on the 10th, so August 10th, 2019, 19th episode. And you can reach us, uh, obviously you've reached us somehow, so through your typical podcast source, or we have a website, uh, nohostagesradio.com. And I mentioned that because all of the podcasts are there, easy to visualize and tap into if you're curious. And also, uh, I happen to write a couple articles each week for the Territorial Dispatch, which is a weekly paper. You can get it online, territorialdispatch.biz uh, or eterritorial.com. Uh, but you can you can actually... Uh, read the articles that I placed in that paper separately on the website, just in themselves, as opposed to looking at the whole paper. So you can get it either way you want. So that said, uh, if you want to reach me, you can reach me at Lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com, Lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com, or you can text me on my phone at 530 530- Seven one three, one eight three eight five three zero seven one three one eight three eight. Well, it it's uh, been a, a a crazy dramatic uh, last couple of weeks in the United States with a number of shootings. Right now, uh, everything in the United States, particularly with the uh, collapse of the Mueller report. And uh, the attack, the fraudulent attack, totally uh, tr- a uh, made-up scam to take down the President of the United States involving the FBI, the CIA, all kinds of like Department of Justice, incredible people that we once had one amazing uh, respect for, and now uh, you don't know really who you can trust People who claimed Bob Mueller was just wonderful, conservative Republican, but turned around and hired all radical left-wing Clinton people to investigate the president. Obviously, we've we've learned now that people that uh, praised Jim Comey and uh, Robert Mueller actually are these people are just. Uh, left-wing criminal types, right? Despicable, lack of integrity. You know, when people just keep saying every time, oh, he's a wonderful guy, he's a wonderful guy, he's a wonderful guy, you got to start asking at some point if if they're just trying to prop him up. And so any realistic look at the Mueller investigation, it was a biased, totally biased investigation with biased people involved. And I think we're just beginning. I think there's going to be a lot more coming out. But what we're seeing is uh, an attempt at the lefties of the United States and around the world to take down the president of the United States. And it has nothing to do with his performance. It has everything to do with an agenda to make this country uh, socialist and communist. Uh, They never could pull that off militarily. So now the the idea is to uh, get control of the institutions of the United States, particularly the education institution, uh, the education system. The media uh, has now gone from uh, 
bringing forth the news in an unbiased fashion, fashion to simply being an uh, advocacy group that advocates primarily, with very, very few exceptions, uh, the overthrow of everything that we've uh, appreciate and believe about America, the love of this country, the, the beginning of this country, uh, freedom, liberty, the Constitution. Uh, every, you know, you'll see in the left the, the despising of the Constitution of the United States, despising of the Bill of Rights. And, and so uh, with, these, with every shooting, which, by the way, uh, of course, these mass shootings could happen pretty much anywhere, but uh, the major uh, murder capitals of the United States are in liberal uh, areas where there is the highest level of gun control. So it's, when you hear people arguing on how you're going to resolve gun, gun uh, violence or almost any topic, homelessness, whatever, what you see is a spirit of stupidity on the country, and the arguments uh, are just so completely illogical that back in the day, when people were thinking straight, people would have just laughed out loud at some of this nonsense that, that is going on, this knee-jerk reaction. So, uh, and it's interesting that as the uh, news always comes out, the knee-jerk reaction news, when it, when it starts, when there's an incident, it always describes this shooter as some right-wing religious nut. Uh, and then they have to backtrack later. So for the people d that never catch the backtrack, they just keep describing these people as um, Trump lovers, right? They start off describing as Trump lovers and uh, kind of right-wing people. And the fact is, and in most every occasion, they are just the opposite. So uh, there is, uh, I don't know whether you watch the media. I don't uh, watch daily media. I listen to occasional talk show clips uh, and look at some news highlights on the Internet. It's very difficult to figure out um, and sort through what exactly is fact because almost all of it is being delivered to us in an agenda fashion with uh, editorial commentary uh, mixed in with it. So it just blurs everything. They take a couple uh, factual things out of the incident. And you can look at all the, you know, I'm just looking at something on the Michael Brown Ferguson shooting, you know, St. Louis suburb of Ferguson and how that was completely contrived. Uh, a law enforcement official ended up giving up his, his occupation. Uh, it was all portrayed as a white guy shooting a big black guy, uh, and racist and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, everything was just totally opposite of what the truth was. And you can just see story after story after story after story where the media is uh, delivering an agenda and just taking a few elements out of the story and keep pushing their uh, agenda to get people stirred up, riled up, and angry and violent uh, where people just feel exasperated, and then go out and do something uh, very uh, bizarre and uh, mentally deranged 
and destroy people, uh, whether they shoot up a mall or... And so it's interesting for me that, that it seemed like during uh, prior to the Obama years, you didn't see this uh, Democrat or left-wing leadership stirring up the population like they're doing today. Obama certainly uh, helped in stirring that up by mocking and deriding Christians and lifting up Muslims and uh, lifting up uh, quit uh, uh, said we're not going to prosecute. I don't know if you remember uh, talking about not Eric Holder not prosecuting blacks because we'd pl- prosecuted them way too much. So they began as a racist effort. Uh, they divided the country up by not only races, which is a um, falsehood. There's only one race called the human race, but they wanted to divide it up according to looks of people, the color of people, Uh, gender of people, the sexual preference of people, uh, just on and on and on, divide, 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 uh, and cause strife between groups instead of unity and commonality. And so uh, after eight years of Obama and now three years of escalated attacks against Trump, what we're seeing is people becoming more and more violent, frustrated, and thinking like, hey, the only way, because it's a created crisis. Uh, when you look at the facts of America, um, America is doing better than it has in many, many years, economically, and it really in, in every way. No country is ever going to be perfect. We live in an imperfect society, an imperfect earth. We live in a fallen, if you if you look at things spiritually, we live in a fallen uh, reality, a fallen world, and uh, people are, uh, as the Bible describes them as sinners, that uh, have the thumbprint of God in their life, but have a flawed nature, uh, they have a sinful nature, a carnal nature, a fleshly nature, which even though we know what's right, uh, we tend to do what's wrong, and uh, that needs to be overcome and brought under submission. But um, the but people that don't understand that and people that are whipped up by political leaders that they put confidence in and are sold a story like the earth is coming to an end in 12 years or sooner, uh, the solar I- the uh, polar ice caps are going to uh, melt, uh, the, you know, we're polluting the environment, uh, and young people are thinking these things. Uh, we came from monkeys— and just lie after lie after lie after lie after lie. Pretty soon you have a, have a belief systems, a belief system and a worldview that is totally skewed and incorrect and a lie, and you base your whole life on that. And so what you see is these Antifa movements. Uh, we see lone shooters that are, uh, in many cases, using drugs uh, or strange and doing bizarre things, uh, living a bizarre life. Uh, but then, as opposed to back in the day when there was a strong bent of morality in the country, and uh, a strong feeling even among non-believers or non-Christians of of uh, obedience, respect for authority, and uh, various disciplines 
that would hold the country together. What you have now is just a taking apart and undermining of every institution to tear it down and to say it's corrupt and uh, everything is wrong with everything. And people get exasperated, frustrated, and go out and do something really crazy because uh, they don't have a real stake in anything. They don't think anything's going to survive. It's kind of like the Muslims who do a suicide bombing because they think they're going to be a lot better off in the hereafter than they are right now, and they're, they're, uh, they've been instructed in the way of hate since they were children, and uh, that Jews are corrupting and Jews are polluting the earth, etc., etc., or the infidel, which is anybody else but a Muslim. So all this is kind of tied together, creating exasperation, frustration, hate, uh, intolerance. And we could talk a lot about tolerance and intolerant tolerance in a bit. But I ran across this week, uh, you know, the things that there's some stuff, a lot of stuff on the Internet that's absolutely ridiculous and not true. People pick up something and repeat it, and they don't even know the source of it. But I saw uh, a cute uh, <clears throat> piece of artwork called the New Demo Logo, New Democrat Logo. And it's the uh, outline of a rat. And it has, uh, it's got the stars and stripes on it. So you have a blue top half of the rat with some stars and then red lower half. So it's called the New Democrat Logo. And uh, I thought it was perfect because what we have, I, I wrote an article about it uh, in the Territorial Dispatch. I wrote an article about rats last week. And uh, you can read it, uh, as I mentioned, at territorialdispatch.biz, or you can look on our website here, nohostagesradio.com. And uh, it's about the fact that uh, just one crisis after another in America, we're making bad choices about how to resolve them. So now the latest one is because we're allowing homeless people to do whatever they want and actually not even allow, not we're going beyond allowing it to funding it. We're actually giving people money to live on the streets and not requiring anything of them and then going around and eventually cleaning up their mess. Their mess actually is is a causing uh, a pl proliferation or expansion of the rat population. And then we get into the environmentalists who say, well, now we can't use anticoagulant type uh, bait to kill rats because then uh, that anticoagulant chemical gets into the uh, animal food chain and affects owls and coyotes and other, other uh, creatures that prey on rats. So they eat a rat and then they get some of the anticoagulant in their body and on and on and on it goes. So now the newest thing is uh, there's going to be a forbidding in California where I'm broadcasting from, and I'm not quite sure about your state, but there's going to be a forbidding, it sounds like, of any type of anticoagulant killer, which uh, is uh, a bait which the uh, rat eats, and then uh, it, it progressively kills the rat over about a five-day period, and... Uh, causes it, I guess, to uh, have a strong desire for water or something like that, and it ends up dying. And then, of course, predators may grab the rat and uh, 
and then end up with some of that in its system as well. So that's a problem. So the question is, is whether there's going to be an alternative kill method of rats or whether they're just going to let them proliferate. And uh, so uh, that's going to be interesting. There's a bill before the uh, legislature in California. So I wrote an article that in some countries they actually are uh, coddled. Uh, the rat is one of the millions of gods to the Hindu people. They, I've actually been in a temple in India where uh, they offered uh, fruit and various types of offerings and prayers to a giant uh, statue, rat statue inside this temple. So uh, they do not kill rats in India. And the word I, when I went to India, and I think about 1990, they said that the uh, rat population ate about a third of the grain uh, storage or the grain source in India, which obviously they're, or maybe not so obvious to you, but they eat a lot of grain, they eat a lot of rice in India and uh, and w the wheat products. Uh, so it affected the, the food supply in India. In other countries like Vietnam, where I just returned the, about two weeks ago, they eat rat and they, and women actually think it's a, uh, uh, that, that it has amino acids in it that, uh, preserve their youthful, uh, look. And so rat is a hot item. I've never had one, but uh, they don't eat rats in, from the city. They think they're uh, toxic uh, because of the food that they eat, garbage, and eat and fuss around in the drains and sewage of the city. So they like to eat rat that are hanging out around the uh, rice paddies where they're eating rice, uh, where Vietnamese love rice. And so they... They eat tons and tons of rats, and uh, they sell rats live in the marketplace. So I thought this was perfect to uh, be the new, instead of the donkey being the symbol or the, or the uh, mascot of the Democratic Party, we could have the rat because they are promoting the rat, and we're going to be promoting it in California. Maybe the, we have the bear right now, the brown bear, that is our mascot in California. Maybe we should switch over to the rat. Uh, I wanted to mention, uh, uh, well, we're coming to a break right now. We do six, if you're new to this, we do about six 20-minute segments uh, where I'm talking. And then we take, uh, I slip in some clips that I think will be good. <coughs> so today I want to introduce, uh, this is a clip about, they're all uh, black people that are, are Trump lovers. And uh, so I'm going to play that for you. And because the impression you get is Trump is racist, right? You're hearing it throughout the day, every day. Somehow he's a racist. Uh, but uh, none of the black leaders, the black charlatans that are making a living off racism, caught, you know, incurring racism, None of them felt that way before Trump was president. They just all wanted him to donate to their cause. So we're going to listen to that, and then we'll be right back. So darling, darling, stand by me. Oh, stand by me. Oh, stand. Stand by me. 
So the mainstream media wants to continue to try to label our president a racist. President Trump, he's going to go down as the greatest president of all time. The fact is, Democrats play the race card every chance they get because it's just down the bay. President Trump is not racist. President Trump's comments towards the quote-unquote squad were not racist. Facts are not racist. The media instantly said that that is racist, and nothing could be further from the truth. It's a tweet that's been heard around the world. Trump has brought in a record low black unemployment. Do not buy what the Democrats are selling. Wake up, people. We're running out of time. His tweets are hitting the heart of the problems in the Democrat city. He's talking about people of color. Well, let me just tell you, as an American, and you can obviously see my pigment, I have nothing wrong whatsoever with what our president said. I agree with him. He needs to be going up on Mount Rushmore. He needs to come out with his own $10,000 bill with his face on it. Yeah. In the latest iteration of this, President Trump just called out Elijah Cummings because of how his city, Baltimore, has been run. If you don't like this country, if you like other nations much better, like Mexico, you can leave and let us have the country. What we saw with President Trump tweeting that Democratic congresswomen should go back to their countries, the media instantly said that that is racist and nothing could be further from the truth. When President Trump ran in the beginning, they called him a racist. When he won, they called him a racist. And let me tell you something, when he wins in 2020, they're going to call him a racist. Trump has brought in a record low black unemployment. Hmm. Trump, who has increased the black-owned businesses. What was the heart behind President Trump's tweet? If you're going to be a part of the problem, then leave. If you do not like this country, you need to get on the first thing smoking and get the hell out of Dodge. You understand what I'm saying? This is real. It is because of President Trump. We're shining light on these s-hole cities throughout the nation. And of course, all of these s-hole cities are ran by Democrats. <laughs> no, he's not a racist. Was he a racist when he was hanging out with Snoop Dogg back in the day? Was he a racist when he was giving money to the Rainbow Coalition? Was he giving uh, a racist when he was hanging out with Al Sharpton? I find it quite interesting that people are calling the president a racist and and acted as if the tweets that he'd been tweeting lately, whether it's against the squad or whether it's against Elijah Cummings, that is somehow a, a mysterious act of, 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 of bigotry and hatred. And it's, it's just foolery, man. People of color, couple, are so sensitive that they cannot take President Trump responding back to their ignorance and cannot take President Trump responding back to them forcefully that they need to leave Congress. A white man can no longer criticize a person of color. If you do, you're racist. <laughs> because I guess people of color is always right. Always. <laughs> the Democrats don't want to respond with correcting the problem. All they want to do is just call everyone racist that do not agree with them. Mr. President, thank you so much for standing up for us, for standing up for Americans, and for speaking the truth and saying what so many of us really want to say, which is if you don't like it here, you can get the heck out. It's not racist to call out these facts. It's not racist to talk about terrible policy ideas of your political opposition. Democrats have been calling Republicans racist for years, despite the fact that they're actually the party of racism. The media cannot control me with the allegation of racism as it relates to Trump and what he said. So I'm tired of it. We the people are tired of it. America's tired of it. We need to come together. If Donald Trump is a racist, 
She's not very good at it. The Democrats are the party of the KKK. They are the ones that's racist. President Trump called it out, just like he'll call out anything. And the only card the left has to play is the race card, which is severely overplayed. I believe that the president of the United States, Donald Trump, is the greatest president to ever be in office. I think he's accomplishing what he's promised. And I think everybody should look at the facts. Thank you, President Trump. And I support 45. I support 45. I support 45. I stand with 45. I support 45. I support 45. And I support 45. I support 45. I still stand with 45. We stand behind 45. Yeah. I support 45. enjoyed that I did um, there is a deception in the United States there on every level there there is propaganda being produced and one of the things is that minority people are anti-trump and I think more than ever before uh, black people are more independent-minded instead of them voting 96 percent or 97 percent Democrat or for like they did for Obama I think they're being more independent and looking at, hey, uh, what is really, at the end of the day, who is really benefiting? What decisions are benefiting? What policies are benefiting my life? And so I hope you enjoyed that. I want to make a couple comments. Uh, one of the big deceptions has been uh, and when Trump came into power, uh, the Democrats, one of the arguments was he's going uh, to create tariffs. Tariffs are taxes. Um, on goods coming into this country uh, when s some other uh, a nation or a corporation from another nation wants to sell a product here, uh, one, one option is to let them sell all they want uh, with no charge. Another is to charge them uh, a fee or a tax or a percentage on bringing that product into the country. Uh, some people are advocates of free trade, where you um, allow anyone to sell from around the world, sell anything here, uh, as long as it's not toxic, but uh, sell products here, fruit or construction products or vehicles or technology, with, with no, uh, no cost at all to, to do that. And, uh, and so uh, the, the, the ideal thing, uh, what some people would say, is to have free trade where all countries would allow everyone to sell whatever they wanted in their country and they could sell whatever they want in other countries. Unfortunately, most Americans have no idea uh, what the international market has been like. But uh, And so the left media, of course, portrayed Trump as creating a trade war. Do you remember that? Tariff or trade war with China. The fact is that we had surrendered to the war to China and China was making a lot of cheap goods. Remember, Obama said, hey, um, there is no, there's not going to be any bringing manufacturing back to the United States. It's leaving the country, and we're going to have to come up with new jobs, uh, new ki kinds of jobs, new uh, occupations 
to fill in those manufacturing jobs because they're forever gone, which Trump proved within the first month of, I don't even know he was elected yet, and that was already changing. But the reason that happened was that we were charging little to uh, little bit to nothing, uh, allowing China to sell their products here because they weren't being made here anymore. Com- companies sublet their cons- uh, their uh, manufacturing uh, to China, or they moved their uh, their whole factories over there, uh, and they operated out of China, or they operated out of Ireland, or something like that, because it became. The, the government of the United States under the Democrats became so highly regulated and so taxed that it was much better just letting other co- countries make the product and bring it over here. So they, the tariffs were minimal to China. However, China, with the largest population in the world, raised very high tariffs for us. And in fact, uh, in some cases with some products, forbid them to come into the country essentially you raise the price you might say oh you can bring that you can sell it here but you raise the price so high uh that you cannot do it it's not like you can like yuba county says uh, where i'm broadcasting from yuba and sutter counties in northern california they say you can build new houses here but if the cost to build a new house is is uh 20 30 in fees on top of the concrete and all the the wood, concrete, metals to put in the house and the, and the labor, it's just like saying, yeah, you, you allow us to build houses. It's, it's not against the law, but it's economically totally unfeasible. I talked to a contractor this week, a contract manager, and he just rolled his eyes. He said, yeah, they effectively exclude um, expansion and building and, and improving things because they make it so economically and feasible. So when Trump came in, uh, being a businessman and an international businessman, he got it. And his comment was that the Chinese were, were, uh, basically benefiting about $500 billion per year in unfair, fair trade. And he said, basically they have remodeled or built or improved their entire nation. Now, if you haven't traveled in China, that probably just, that image in your mind probably doesn't do you justice, but I've traveled quite a bit in China, not in the last, say, eight years. But, I mean, I've been in the major cities of China, uh, Shenzhen, Shanghai, Nanjing, Wuhan, Beijing, uh, all over China, and Guangzhou, and they simply put our cities to shame. Uh, They are very modern they have subways. They're clean. Uh, people use the subways. There's no foolishness. There's no shooting drugs in the subways. There's no food on the trains. There's no smoking on the trains. They're very clean, very fast. The the cities are modern, much more modern than the United States. Their uh, their airports are amazing, just totally amazing. They there's hardly any airports in the United States that would compare to an Asian airport, to top Asian airports, whether you do Singapore, Seoul, Korea, Taiwan, Tokyo. Uh, I've been in all those airports. They are far superior. That No American airport uh, compares in any way. They're just uh, amazing. So uh, 
so what's happening is that we have lost the trade war. There, there has been a war, but we just gave up. We waved the white flag. And I don't know why, but whether it was, I'm not blaming it all on Obama, but for years we have simply uh, had people at the helm of the United States who were ignorant. They were just stupid, and I don't know what they were thinking, but what's happening is Donald Trump is leveling the playing field and saying, listen, China, if you want to do business with us, you need to change your way um, in in your country and allow our products to be sold over there. So what's happening is, is some of the people that were getting to sell products over there, like our farmers, it's a, it's affecting them negatively because as we've raised tariffs on China, they have raised tariffs on the products that they were allowing in. Many of the products, they raised the tariffs so high that you couldn't sell anything over there successfully. But so what they're doing is penalizing the folks that, uh, that were selling products there. So let me just give you an example. China imported $120 billion worth of goods from the United States in 2018. Hold that figure, $120 billion, $120 billion. However, we bought or we allowed them to bring over here $540 billion, right? That's like almost five, that's four and a half times the amount of goods coming in, right? Uh, so this says, although a trade war certainly hurts American consumers, it really, really hurts Chinese companies. Now, if you have the impression that it's no big deal over there, it's a huge deal because they have, when you have huge factories with like some factories, <coughs> I know for Americans it's hard to believe this, but in Shenzhen, just across the border from Hong Kong, uh, there are factories that have 80,000, I'm, I don't, I'm not, I don't have my zeros confused, 80,000 workers, but they, li they literally never leave the campus. They live there, they live in dorms, uh, where six, eight people live in one room in bunks, like in a, a jail pod or a jail tank. Uh, they just live that way. They live very, very challenging lives, uh, communal type bathrooms, uh, and in that uh, complex, they would have stores, uh, they would have a daycare, they would have all kinds of things where they wouldn't really have to even leave the, the, uh, uh, the, the company campus, if you will, or the factory campus. And it's not much of a life, let me tell you. And uh, there was a book, I've, I've actually got it here, called Factory Girls, that told the story of, of the, the social movement uh, where people are leaving the villages where they've lived for generation after generation, a farming community where kids would grow up, marry another kid in the community, and they would become farmers, and then their kids would become farmers. Now they're leaving those farm communities, breaking up the family, moving into these, hoping for a better life, uh, making tennis shoes, making shirts, making computer chips. And, uh, some of them are having a better life. Some of them aren't, but it's a very, very difficult life living in these cities. So um, anyway, what the, the point I'm trying to make is that the trade war was being conceded to the Chinese until Trump came in. Now he's being the, the left wing of the United States has joined China in complaining against Trump, whereas Trump is actually doing 
if you remember the slogan, Make America Great, M-A-G-A, that's exactly what he's doing, but they're portraying it as if he's trying to destroy America. The fact is, and the Chinese have actually declared in the Communist Party that their goal is to dethrone Trump in the next election. So now you have the Chinese communists, you have the media of the United States, you have the educational institutions of the United States, you have the Democrats and most of the Republicans of the United States all dedicated to defeating Donald Trump. And uh, so you, so some of us wonder how in the world did he ever get elected in the first place? I think maybe God had something to do with it because when you have that many people working against you, uh, that's a problem. The other short thing I want to mention is the fact that when you look at um, Democrat-controlled cities in the U.S., uh, you know, some of the we're talking about murder rates, right? How wild things are in our Democrat-controlled cities, right, where there's this high gun control thing. So the very people that have guns are criminal types. They don't have any problem getting guns. So uh, someone started comparing, and I'll talk more about this if we have time, but there's an article on um, the, the, the big, I think I talked about a couple of weeks ago, actually, what countries have the highest murder rates. And actually, I've met some people from these countries in the Yuba County Jail, which is an immigration holding facility, like from El Salvador, right? The El Salvador murder rate uh, has been compared to Baltimore's. Baltimore isn't the top uh, murder rate in the country, but it's right up there uh, as a very top uh, killing centers or Detroit, Chicago, Philadelphia. Um, so some somebody was comparing El Salvador to the, the low literacy rates that El Salvador probably has uh, lower literacy rates or, or better literacy rates. And uh, so they were comparing American cities. I mean, America used to be the bright and shining. Everybody wanted to come here, right? But you look at the murder rates, uh, the, the illegitimacy rates on births and the lower literacy rates, it's like we're worse than El Salvador, right? Um, in fact, I was just uh, reading, I was on my way to Vietnam, and I read where uh, Vietnam, uh, the, you know how they have these international competitions for math and science or something like that. And out of all the, you know, there's like 197 nations in the world. And, and it was fascinating. I think China was number one, U.S. was number two, and Vietnam was number like eight. And Vietnam, in the uh, rural areas of Vietnam, or actually the, the average income per month in Vietnam is like 140 or 150 U.S. dollars. Are, and, and that's including, in that averaging, that's including people that are making five to $10,000 a month <clears throat> at some of the big instructions operations or some of the big banking institutions or some of the big manufacturing operations that are now happening in the centers, the city centers like Saigon, Hanoi, of Vietnam. So you have people making that kind of money all the way down to, say, a hotel worker making $140 or $150 a month. So uh, it's interesting that their school system is, is performing at a very, very high level uh, for 
a country that is still considered a third world country. The other thing, I, I, uh, there's an article about this. I'll maybe get more detail later. But Mexico, I didn't realize this, and I thought it was so fascinating. This guy compared Mexico, uh, which has just one legal store in the entire nation, in, just out uh, in Mexico City, but just one store in the entire nation that you can actually purchase a brand new weapon. I didn't know that. And it was comparing that because Mexico has a huge murder rate. They kill thousands uh, in that that nation every year. And they only have one store to sell uh, weapons. So their complaint is, just like our complaint is, that Mexico's bringing, sending all kinds of drugs to this country. You remember the fast and furious drug running that, that the Attorney General and Obama uh, Eric Holder and Obama did and got caught at. Well, they complained, the Mexicans are complaining that thousands and thousands of firearms are coming into the United, from the United States into Mexico. Well, we complain that uh, drugs, drugs, drugs are coming. Nobody's ever complained that weapons are coming from Mexico. They're complaining that drugs come from Mexico. Well, this guy compared... Uh, he stopped into a store, one of many stores in Brattleboro, Vermont. You think Vermont, you know, kind of liberal Vermont, right? Northeast United States. Brattle, not Brattleboro, Brattleboro, Vermont. He stopped in a store that sells firearms. And so you'd think, oh, there's lots of stores in Brattleboro, Vermont that you can buy a firearm. So that would you'd think, oh, if you can buy lots of firearms easily, then they probably have lots of murders in Brattleboro. Because, uh, you know, Mexico just has one store, and they have lots and lots of murders, right? So in Brattleboro, uh, they have just have Brattleboro, I didn't look up the population. You can look it up if you want. Very easy to find. I think it's probably a very small community. They just had one murder during one decade. A decade is 10 years for those who didn't do very well in school. In 10 years, they had one murder in Brattleboro, but there were all kinds of gun stores able to provide you with a weapon. Now, if, if guns are the problem, then uh, Brattleboro is uh, an outlier. In, in other words, it doesn't make sense because they just had one murder in 10 years. Uh, although firearms were easily accessible. So there you have that. So let me just mention, as we come to our second, uh, end of our second uh, segment today, just want to give a shout-out to uh, Elite Universal Security, who helps us stay on the air, and remind you that they have some... Uh, if you want to get your concealed weapon permits, they have their next. They have a couple trainings each month, where they do one day like a Saturday on the on the uh, on the education part of it, and then Sunday uh, they do the uh, range and where you can prove yourself that you can handle this gun. So August 24, 25th, 25 is their classroom, and then their range shooting. You can also do your renewals on the 25th. Uh, that's right here in in the uh, Yuba County area, and you can get a hold of them 
by uh, dialing 530-749-0280. That's 530-749-0280. You can get more information from them. And uh, they're also going to do a taser class and pepper spray class. If you don't want to do, you don't want to carry a weapon, but you just want to know how to use a ta- taser or pepper spray, they're going to do that on September 7th. They want at least three students to uh, to do that class. Uh, this is quite a company, Elite Universal Security. They're located up and down Northern California. Even uh, they kind of bump over into Oregon a bit up there and provide uh, security services. Uh, never in the time of the uh, recent history has the need for security services been more evident because of the political uh, oppression of law enforcement and manipulation of law enforcement. You can't do this, you can't do that. It used to be when I was a chaplain of Marysville Police, we would keep control on vagrants. No camping was allowed in the city. Now they can't even enforce that. Their hands are tied by politicians. And so now citizens are having to fend for themselves. They're having to go face-to-face with people that are, uh, you know, using their property as a bathroom or, or, you know, camping around their property, squatting in their house or property. And so never has uh, security services been more needed. And so uh, if you're a business, people are trashing your property, stealing property from you or stealing some of your property, this is the time that you might need elite universal security. Uh, or you may want a job and you'd like to think, hey, I might, maybe I'll be a security guard, see whether I like this type of enforcement. Maybe you want to go full blown into law enforcement. They can actually help prep you for that. They offer a lot of classes. So you can check that out at their uh their website, api-academy.com, api-academy.com, or eliteuniversalsecurity.com. You could go online. You you can talk to them. You can email them, see what classes they have uh, where you go sit in a classroom or what classes you could, act, you could actually take online. So we're going to take a break now, and uh, I'm going to go to sh- play you a clip Uh on the question is, who does the media most want to silence? This is a very, very good clip. Please listen uh, closely. It's by the Prager uh, University, Dennis Prager's group. So we'll play this just a few more minutes. It'll be a few minute clip, and then we'll be right back. All right. the first woman appointed to the Supreme Court? My guess is that most Americans would answer Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's so famous now that she's often referred to by just her initials, RBG. Elevated to the high court by President Bill Clinton in 1993, the left-leaning Justice Ginsburg was the subject of not one, but two movies in 2018 alone. But she isn't the first female Supreme Court justice. She's the second. The first doesn't have a movie named after her. That's because Sandra Day O'Connor was appointed by a Republican president, Ronald Reagan. We hear a lot about the Year of the Woman, the Women's March, and the War Against Women. 
But if the major media, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, CBS, and others, were more interested in accuracy than advocacy, it would be that they are promoting the year of the leftist woman or the leftist women's march. The major media like to pretend that all women think alike and that conservative women are just the exception that proves the rule. But according to a 2018 Pew Research study, about a third of women are Democrats, a little less than a third are Republican, and a little more than a third are independents. So if there are all these conservative women around, how does the media make it seem like they barely exist? They use three strategies. The first is omission. If you don't see something, you don't have to deal with it. Open up a glossy magazine. Every liberal woman is glamorized, stylishly dressed, beautifully photographed. Their personal stories are almost always an inspirational version of Joan of Arc. They have overcome overwhelming obstacles to make the world a more compassionate and tolerant place. Glamour magazine recognized 11 Democrat women among their 2018 Women of the Year. No Republican made the cut. First Lady Michelle Obama was on the cover of Vogue three times. First Lady and former fashion model Melania Trump? So far, not once. Every now and again, the major media will do a story about a female conservative to balance things out. But let's be honest, it's not balance, it's tokenism. The second strategy the media uses to diminish conservative women is mocking. Making fun of a woman's appearance discounts what she says. You would think the major media would resist this kind of objectification, but they don't, not if the target is a conservative woman. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House press secretary, and Kellyanne Conway, the first woman to run a winning presidential campaign, are routinely belittled for their hair, their eye makeup, or their weight. Their significant accomplishments, in contrast, are rarely acknowledged. Why? Because the media doesn't like their boss, and it treats women who work for him as traitors to their sex. The third strategy the media uses to demean conservative women is labeling. Using stereotypes precludes there being a valid reason for conservative women to hold the positions they do. The major media simply can't accept that conservatives have serious and important reasons for their beliefs, so they have to come up with answers to explain this seeming anomaly to themselves. These women must be racist or self-hating or just weak-minded. Here's how Barbara Streisand put it to the Daily Mail in England. A lot of women vote the way their husbands vote. They don't believe enough in their own thoughts. Labeling, like the strategies of mocking or omission, is just another way to display contempt and demonize conservative women. Its purpose is to persuade you to not treat those being labeled with respect, to ignore their ideas, and to even avoid associating with them. Not surprisingly, the vilification that results discourages a lot of conservative-leaning women from running for political office, or even from speaking up. Who needs that grief? It takes a strong person to swim against the media tide. But here's the thing about swimming against the tide. It makes you stronger. Maybe that's why Nikki Haley can stand up in the UN and tell the truth, or why Candace Owens can question the devotion to progressive policies that have so hurt blacks, or Ayan Hirsi Ali can take on the cause of truly oppressed women, those living in radical Islamist societies. We need these voices, and more like them. That's why it's so important to encourage a more respectful, inclusive debate. We should want everyone at the table, 
both sides of the political spectrum, listening with civility. That way we can be better informed and make better decisions. So if you hold conservative views, you have a particularly important role to play. You need to speak out to your friends, your family, and your coworkers. Let them hear your thinking, and then let them make up their own minds. The media may pretend you don't exist. They may even mock or label you. They want to intimidate you into silence. That's not fair, and that's not right. Don't let them. I'm Heather Higgins, Chairman of Independent Women's Forum for Prager University. stumbled across that clip and I thought, oh, this is, uh, this is really great. And I so, uh, I, it just has really bugged me as the discrimination, you know, this whole concept about war on women and, uh, you know, women are discriminated against and poor women and this, that. But the, the fact is that the only women that the media is interested in promoting and supporting and, and lifting up are uh, left-wing women, right? And they mock and deride and put down, uh, ladies that don't, uh, that aren't politically correct. They don't tow the liberal line, abortion-minded women and on and on and on and on. So hope you enjoyed that. Hey, I wanted to talk about, uh, something that's actually, uh, happened here in where I live in uh, the Yuba County, Sutter County area. And uh, so some of you uh, that are listening from elsewhere uh, may not be aware of it, obviously, if you're living in another state, but it, it can happen in your area. So what's happening in our, in our country, I'll give it a broader scope here, is that the, the government, <clears throat> instead of serving us, is ruling over us, and they're, they're uh, being patronizing and elite and a paternal, in other words, they're thinking you're too stupid, like a young child, uh, you're too stupid to make decisions on your own. We can't trust you with money uh, to make the best decisions for the country, like charitable giving. The government takes money from you and then spends your money for charity and uh, thing called welfare, right? Instead of you taking care of your neighbor, caring for your neighbor, like Jesus said, love your neighbor. The government thinks it, that, that it can love your neighbor better than you, so it takes money from you and gives it to the person next door, right? And so the government is paternalistic, and uh, the government withholds information from us. Now we have things called the Freedom of Information Act. It took an actual law to actually force the government to give up information that we ought to have automatically, and it actually gives them 10 days after you properly fill out all the forms, which is no small matter. Just not anybody could do that right off, right off the top. You have to learn how to fill out a Freedom of Information Act request. And then the government has 10 days. Well, we uh, 
I'd never filed one, and we filed one here a while back uh, regarding a tax issue in Yuba County, and I think it took a couple of months uh, to get the information we want. They just The government just ignores the laws. You know, the government just makes one law after another law, I think almost a 1,000 laws a year in California. But, but when the government, it comes to the government, they ignore laws left and right, and uh, you have to catch them at it. So uh, recently, uh, the grand jury of Sutter County served, uh, the one that served from 2017, June, July 1, 2017 to June 30, 2018, uh, they were doing their thing. You know, there's usually about 19 members, I think. Uh, they have jury members and alternates in case someone gets sick or, has, or dies or has to, you know, uh, step down. So they want to have a complete jury. And so the grand jury, this isn't a criminal grand jury. This is a grand jury that reviews uh, the citizens' concerns uh, about the operation of, of government entities. So it could be a concern about a school system or a levy district or the welfare department. It just could be anything, juvenile hall, how the jail's managed. And so as, a, as complaints come in, then then a jury of the of citizens uh, review, look at, investigate those complaints, and then they write a grand jury report. And the grand jury is overseen by a judge, a superior court judge, and offered advice from that judge. And then if they need some legal advice, they might use the district attorney unless the district attorney is being investigated or the county council unless they're being investigated. In the in the 2017-2018 uh, grand jury, both the county council and the district attorney's office was being investigated or it was, there was a request, multiple requests came in to investigate those entities. So then it got complicated. Uh, the first... Uh, Judge Sarah Heckman, that was uh, her turn to oversee the grand jury. She wasn't able, she wasn't competent enough to manage it because there was a lot of controversial testimony that as people were being brought in and asked to testify before the grand jury, it was gnarly. And there were issues coming up like criminal issues that this grand jury, this grand jury wasn't formed to bring an indictment against a person, which is one thing a grand jury could do, but not this type of grand jury. So it got complicated. And so Sarah Heckman was asked to step out and Brian Aronson, which was a more of a senior member of the Superior Court. He had actually served uh, four, almost four terms of four years. And before that was a, def I think he was a defense attorney. Anyway, public defender. Anyway, um, this grand jury was getting ready to put its report together, which then is made public for the uh, uh, for anyone to read. And of course, when a grand jury report comes out, there there's opportunity for rebuttal, and then they they make uh, suggestions for uh, change to happen, how change should happen if they don't like the way something is done. And so uh, Brian Aronson, the judge. Uh, said, I, I, I'm not going to allow this 
this this needs this uh, grand jury report needs to change and they began to edit it he began to edit it or he sent it back and asked the grand jury to edit it they didn't want to edit the the report because this is what they felt the facts were they interviewed people they took testimony they wrote a report and they thought it should come out now it, it isn't unusual for a grand jury report to be controversial being like oh i didn't know this was going on in the welfare department the building department the the health department, whatever department, the high school, whatever. And and so it's usually, con- sometimes it's controversial, and then it brings up issues. That's a good thing. And so it isn't unusual to have people be uh, challenged by it and, and have to respond to it. So anyway, after a couple edits, uh, the, finally the grand jury refused to sign the document, which needs to happen, uh, in order for it to be released, it's a legal document. They refused to sign it and resigned. Now, you're, you know, so local people probably remember that. So, therefore, the judge said they are not going to release a report because nobody would sign the report. The reason nobody would sign it was because it was no longer their report. It was Brian Aronson's report. So, uh, but I I wrote an article this week called the Aronson cover-up. You can read it um, either at the territorialdispatch.biz or you could just go on the nohostagesradio.com site and you can read it uh, there as well. It's called the Aronson, A-R-O-N-S-O-N cover-up. So basically what happened was um, uh, we have the district attorney who has been, uh, everybody hoped, with this new district attorney, Amanda Hopper, would clean up a severely corrupted office that was run for th- over 30 years by district attorney Carl Adams. And you'd also have a county council named Gene Jordan. And they both became objects of interviews, uh, uh, complaints by the grand jury, and they interviewed them. And so, uh, one of the complaints against the district attorney's office was, quote, a hostile work environment, one where there was retaliation. Um, the district attorney was accused of listening to an illegal wiretap, which is a crime. She was also uh, uh, accused of violating the county vehicle use policy, which is also uh, theft of public funds, which is a crime. And uh, so at the time this happened, the district attorney was up for re-election. So that may have played into the the, uh, primary election was in June. This was going to come out in June 30. So if there was a contest that went over into the uh, general election in November, this could have had an impact on the election. So um, Amanda Hopper was accused of, quote, vulgarity, profanity, juvenile behavior, and inappropriate text messages. Uh, They said that this was commonplace uh, in the uh, the DA's office. And it was not only that, but it was condoned by the district attorney. It was a hostile work environment. Current and past employees testified. Uh, The grand jury found that the accusations were credible, while the district attorney considered the behavior okay. And her quote was in the in the document said, I'm never going to tell an adult human being in my office 
uh, hey, we're have you know, while we're having a conversation, watch your mouth. No, that's not what's going to happen. So the grand jury said when you have a district attorney that just lets anything be said and there's no like decorum in the way you talk, that it gave the impression that vulgarity and profanity were acceptable. And so it it uh, flourished in according to the grand jury report. The other thing that happened is there was a lady named Anu Chopra who was a deputy district attorney. She was one of the attorneys in the office and she was fired. I won't get into her firing, but uh, she ended up suing uh, the uh, district attorney and winning uh, several hundred thousand dollars. So what happened was uh, she was considering running against the district attorney and someone, a private citizen, uh, recorded her without a new Chopra knowing it and then went to the district attorney, Hopper, and uh gave the recording to the district attorney and she listened to it curious about Chopra's, a new Chopra's um, thinking about running against her or not. Uh, that is illegal. Uh, you cannot wiretap. You cannot, you cannot record people without them knowing it. And so the district attorney was uh, violated the law by listening to this, this, uh, this recording, the grand jury said when they learned about this, that because they're not a grand jury set up to uh, indict people for criminal behavior, they just described it as tacky or unseemly. The, the actual word they used was unseemly. Um, there's a vehicle policy. I, if you'll notice, uh, you, you know, any uh, corporate corporation yard for a county, if you drive over the uh, 10th Street Bridge, uh, leaving Marysville, you'll see all these county vehicles sitting around. Or if you go by welfare, all these county vehicles where government provides vehicles where people can run errands. And so uh, there's county vehicle policies, usually in a county that describes uh, how why you get a vehicle and what you can do with that vehicle. So in Sutter County, they, their policy denies uh the availability of vehicles to be used for personal use. In other words, if you're going to use it, you get, it has to be government use, business use, and you cannot run personal errands. You can't run your kids around, et cetera, et cetera. The district attorney herself took a vehicle home uh, as, uh, as a routine. She used a personal vehicle to get back and forth to work, use a government vehicle because she felt like she had to. And, uh, but she also used it to go do errands, personal errands, and she also asked employees in the district attorney's office to run and pick up her kids from the dentist's office, run errands with them, pick them up from school. All these are strictly, it isn't a gray area, it was forbidden by the, by the government vehicle uh, code policy or vehicle policy. The district attorney admitted to the grand jury she had done so, and uh, that should be considered a theft of public funds we don't have to the the uh the government of Sutter County said we're paying her enough money we we don't we're not going to pay her her vehicle costs as well and uh the the other the, the other accusation was brought against the county council which the grand jury uh for so I mentioned earlier that the grand jury uh 
was having a problem because they they were looking for legal counsel, but the people they were expecting legal counsel from, the DA's office and the county counsel, both were being investigated by the grand jury. So they went to the attorney general's office for advice, and the attorney general says, we're not going to get involved either. So they ended up hiring a guy who has kind of muffed things in the past named Chuck Polos, who is a longtime attorney in the area. And he'd actually served on a grand jury in Yuba County across the river. And so they thought, oh, well, Chuck Polos could offer advice to the grand jury. So they paid him about $10,000 to come over and do that, according to the budget that they set aside for him. So, but in the midst of sorting what they could do out, uh, Jean Jordan had recused herself or, or set aside herself from offering uh, advice uh, legal advice because she didn't want to get involved with the district attorney's office. But she sat in on a closed hearing, like some hearings the public can sit on, some people, they, some hearings they cannot sit in on. This was a private hearing with the, uh, regarding the investigation of the DA's office. The grand, ju- the grand jury, uh, leader was there and the, the foreman and the pro tem, they were both there. Judge Aronson was there, a representative from the state attorney general's office was there. But for some reason, Jean Jordan, even though she recused herself and she wasn't being, she shouldn't have even have been there, uh, she said in on it. Then she left the meeting and went over and told the district attorney what happened in the meeting, totally in violation of the uh, mandate from the judge who determined that the meeting should be strictly confidential and that all the records should be sealed about the meeting. And so instead, she went over and told District Attorney, her, District Attorney Hopper what happened. The reason we know all this is that District Attorney Hopper was uh, interviewed later by the grand jury, and she admitted uh, the, the meeting happened December 15, 2017, and uh, Hopper was interviewed on February 9, 2018, admitted to the grand jury that Jordan, Jean Jordan, county counsel, leaked the information to her. On March 8, 2018, the grand jury then interviewed Jean Jordan, and she lied about uh, passing the information. Uh, they basically said in the report, they said it different than I would, but she's a liar. And they they recommended as the grand jury recommends uh, things to the county, they recommended that the Superior Court of Sutter County hold, uh, uh, have Gene Jordan explain if there's any reason or show cause why she shouldn't be held in contempt for disclosing confidential information when she was instructed uh, not to do so. So, uh, Basically, what's happened here is as Judge Aronson witnessed the the very people that we should high hold in high regard and respect and that we're, we're giving huge authority to these attorneys. Uh, so therefore, the, the very people that we should uh, trust and respect were committing criminal wrongdoing instead of like uh, bringing that to the forefront. Judge Aronson actually uh, was complicit or actually was the lead perpetrator on a cover-up of protecting these two uh, lawyers, 
uh, Gene Jordan, and actually uh, Gene Jordan and Amanda Hopper, one being the county council, one being the district attorney, uh, for committing uh, behavior uh, that could either get them in contempt of court, lose their law license. Uh, some people feel that what Gene Jordan did uh, could cost her her law license. I always find it's very hard to get any any disciplinary action out of the American Bar Association. They seem like they're just into coddling their attorneys and coddling wrongdoing. But uh, the interesting thing is that uh, the, the judge not only uh, created a situation that the grand jury was so— fr- it's amazing. The, the entire grand jury resigns, right? And— uh, so the judge ends up instead of like a judge making sure the law is enforced, he actually covered up uh, the lawlessness of two women uh, that were being investigated by the grand jury. Then he turned around and he had just won his fifth term as a superior court judge and, and refused to serve it and stepped down. It's, it's shocking. And it's, and it's, uh, and so now, hopefully, the rest uh, the grand jury report will continue to come out, and we can talk about it, uh, because they were trying to keep that from ever coming out and protecting uh, criminals, basically, right? Instead of the government uh, holding criminal criminal behavior accountable in our county and keeping the county uh, transparent and honest. They actually are promoting dishonesty uh, in our county. It's a shame. So um, I'm going to play you a clip right now uh, by one of my favorite guys, Dinesh D'Souza. And he's talking to Larry King about the history, the true history of the Democrat Party. And we'll be right back. to politicking. I'm talking with Denise D'Souza, best-selling author, documentary maker, and his new book is The Big Lie, Exposing the Nazi Roots of the American Left. We just left uh, on the last statements you made was about Trump's nationalism. One of the big concepts of Nazism was nationalism. Deutschland über alles. Germany is better than other countries. Aryan is better. That's the opposite of the left in America. Well, it is true that nationalism was one of the features, as you say, of Nazism and of fascism generally. But just remember that nationalism is much broader than that. I come from India. Gandhi was a nationalist. Nelson Mandela was a ferocious nationalist who was very attached to South Africa. Uh, um, Fidel Castro was a nationalist. Che Guevara was a Most of the anti-colonial leaders were nationalists. Stalin was a nationalist who celebrated what he called Russia. So if nationalism equals fascism, all these people would be fascists, which they clearly weren't. So you can be a nationalist on the left and a nationalist on the right. 
Absolutely. And I don't think it's nationalism that's what makes the left today fascist. What makes the left fascist is that when I go out to speak on the campus, I will see uh, masked protesters wearing black outfits, carrying weapons, who drive dissenting conservative speakers off the campus. These are people who are ready to use intimidation and force to prevent a point of view from being aired that is never aired on the campus. And now they call themselves anti-fascist, Larry, but to me, they resemble Mussolini's black shirts or Hitler's brown shirts. They look like them, they talk like them, they act like them. And so, therefore, I conclude that these people, in the name of anti-fascism, are actually using fascist tactics. But they don't win out. We have a vibrant left and a vibrant right in America, and you're not going to call Chuck Schumer a fascist. No, but I think that the I think that the ideology and the economic policy of fascism has always been on the left. Let's remember that Hitler was a national socialist. He changed the name of the German Workers' Party to the National Socialist German Workers' Party. Mussolini was a Marxist and a lifelong socialist. So this whole concept that fascism somehow comes from the right is very misleading. Fascism is the ideology of the centralized state. You're saying Mussolini was a left-winger? I'm saying not, not only was Mussolini a left-winger, but Mussolini considered himself a left-winger. Even the people who criticized Mussolini called him a left-winger. When Mussolini did his march on Rome in 1922, Lenin sent him a letter, a telegram of congratulations. Why? Because Lenin understood that Mussolini was a fellow revolutionary of the left. But wasn't Hitler and Mussolini violent opponents of communism? Yes, they were, but let's remember that sometimes ideologies that are quite similar get into very bitter fights. Remember, Larry, the Catholics and the Protestants fought bitterly, even though they are both within the house of Christendom. The Shia and the Sunni will go and fight bitter battles, even though they're both within the house of Islam. So sometimes you can be on the same side of the aisle, but fight over power or minor doctrinal differences. Nevertheless, the fact that, that, that Nazism and fascism and, and socialism went to war does not mean that they don't have a lot in common. Where do you think it's all going, Dinesh? Well, I would like to see, you know, I, my last chapter is called Denazification. And what I mean is that I long for the kind of healthy democratic politics in which people don't regard each other as enemies. They don't have to carry weapons. They have arguments, so they don't have to come to blows. Uh, I, I, I actually yearn for the kind of America in which Donald Trump is actually not even necessary. Dinesh, always good talking with you. My Thank pleasure. you so much. Dinesh D'Souza, the book is The Big Lie, Exposing the Nazi Roots of the American Left. Well, we're talking about the grand jury, Sutter County Grand Jury. Every town or county entity has these grand juries uh, that reviews things, and uh, they're the only look at our government that we get a shot at, where they can look in and ask hard questions, and where testimony is taken, sworn testimony, where people are swearing to tell the truth. And uh, they're... they're uh, there are chance as the general public to hold government accountable, like the Air Force uh, mantra 
or motto in God We Trust, All Others We Monitor. We're dealing with sinful human beings that uh, get off track and uh, lose their their moral bearing, and the only way to check that is to hold people accountable. So when you have a judge like Judge Aronson, who... um, abdicated or shucked his duty and protected fellow lawyers, uh, he basically took the Sutter County citizens and threw them under the bus. So that's that. The other article I wrote this week that I'll just, since I have it pulled up here, I wrote an article called Major K Hokey Pokey. So since the election in uh, November uh, in Yuba County, they, uh, a major K, which was uh, increasing the sales tax by 1% for uh, any purchases uh, in the county, the outside the cities, but in the uh, unchartered area of the county, um, so, or if you bought a vehicle or anything had to be licensed as a motor vehicle type thing or trailer or whatever, uh, anywhere that item would be purchased would also be a 1% increase in tax because those are taxed not where you purchase them, but where you reside. So if you live in the, uh, out in the county area, not in the city, but in the county area, that's an extra percent. So if you buy a $30,000 trailer or motorhome or vehicle, that's an extra $300, right? So what happened was uh, Measure K, which was sold to the general public as a special tax, when, when it's a special tax dedicated to a particular task like building a dam or uh, building a new you know, a new uh, water system or building, uh, or in this case, public safety. The the uh, proposition two, proposition thirteen, and proposition two eighteen specified that if you wanted to specifically use monies that you wanted to tax the public for 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 a particular uh, accomplishment then it would take a two-thirds vote of the public. If you just wanted to raise money in general and use it for a variety of things in the budget, then you just have to uh, use 50% plus one person. In other words, a simple majority could get that passed. So what they, what's they, what been happening throughout the state of California, not just in Yuba County, uh, is there's been a pitching of these taxes as to solve, they sounded like they were pitching it as a special tax because they were they would tell you uh, specifically what they were going to use the money for, and the, and of course they love to pitch public safety because people are concerned about their safety. They're concerned about the fire department and police department because they need those services. They need those. Uh, the, a quick response on health issues or, you know, there's not that many fires in a, in a city, thankfully, or a county. But there are a lot of health issues, right? People are having health issues. So there's responses, medical aids that they respond on. And uh, law enforcement is a big issue. So they sell it as a law enforcement or public safety tax, but then they they put it on the ballot as a general fund tax, so they kind of have their cake and eat it too. So I wrote an article about Major K Hokey Pokey. In other words, 
they deceived this Major K. The argument that the anti-Major K people have had is that they deceived the public and pitched it a public safety tax, but they passed it as a general fund tax. So a lawsuit was filed against the county of Yuba and the way they promoted it and sold it and then uh, instituted this tax with only 50% plus one when when it was portrayed as a special tax. So, of course, the county's saying, no, 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 no. We, we always sold it as a general tax. It never was focused on public safety. That's their argument. And the anti Major K argument is no, 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 it is a special tax, etc. So this week, uh, uh, this week, the uh, people arguing against Major K, their attorneys from Sacramento filed briefs and, and with the court <clears throat> getting ready for a, a, a hearing on August 27 and uh, and the county hired attorneys from Grass Valley are uh, arguing, of course, that it, you know uh, we're just creating stuff out of thin air. So um, anyway, it's an open hearing. People, I think it's at one thirty, one or one thirty on August twenty seventh, in the uh, courthouse there on uh, two fifteen Fifth Street in Marysville. If you're interested in going, but there, if you want to get involved in this and and follow it it's uh you can go to a facebook site no on measure k no on measure k and you can follow in fact you can actually read the entire uh, attorney brief which it isn't very very it isn't very long it seemed like it was less than 20 pages or 12 pages or something like that and it's very easy reading it's simply the the uh one, one person said oh i think I, I always get a kick out of people uh, I think it was poorly written. Honestly, uh, most people couldn't write at the level of these attorneys in today's education. So uh, I've, I've read through the brief. It certainly lists the laws, but then it's it, any brief. It's the uh, attorney's argument on why uh, why this law applies and why other uh, codes do not. So you can read that, Measure K, Hokey Pokey, and also you can read the brief at No on Measure K. Uh, it's interesting, all the way back in 2017, in email correspondence, uh, the public relations person for the county referred to the, the tax that was going to be put on the ballot eventually, and with a vote of the supervisors, as the Yuba County Law Enforcement sales tax. I mean, these people, you know, the, the, the sad thing is, is in a small county like Yuba County, we have like 75,000 to 80,000 people. You really, you know, if you get around much, you know, you know, uh, the community members, you know, you, you have kids on the same baseball teams as a sheriff or, or the supervisor or whatever. I mean, you cross paths with all these people and, uh, and to have them misrepresent this uh, has caused a real meltdown in trust, uh, a trust of government and uh, and a feeling. You know, a lot of people think that if you look at the federal government, the state government, you just feel like the government's running over the top of you. But you 
<coughs> you have higher hopes for local government because you actually know the people. And you see them at a restaurant or you see them at, at, at uh, nonprofit events or uh, the fair or whatever. You, you cross paths with them, right? Maybe you go to church with them and you just expect more from them. And to have this, uh, <clears throat> the way this was portrayed, undermining, you know, it'd be one thing if they would have just said, you know something, we have problems with our pensions. We, we were buried in pension debt. We need more off. We we need more sheriff's deputies, and we need to. Uh, we've we screwed up the funding on the sheriff's department, which they have. That's the fact. Instead of the government just coming clean, they just will not come clean. That government very seldom is transparent anymore and admitting anything wrong. And so instead of coming clean and just say, you know, we really badly need more money for police and fire, sheriff and fire. And so we're going to, we need two thirds vote. It's a special tax. And we're going to dedicate all this money to sheriff uh, needs and fire needs. People may have supported it two thirds, but instead of just being straight up and call it a special tax, they didn't call it, they, they referred to it as a special tax. They referred to it as a public safety tax, but then they put it on the ballot as a general tax. And I know why, because they were counseled by big PR firms in in the uh, the state of California that's making millions of dollars off managing these efforts, and they're violating the law. They're violating the law in the way they do it, and they're getting away with it because there's no enforcement tool. Um, there's no enforcement tool or no enforcement agency that is taking them on. The fair political practices people are not uh, not taking them on and not prosecuting them. And the, the fair political practices people are criticizing the district attorneys as not prosecuting <clears throat> the misuse of public funds. The, the law says that the government cannot take our tax dollars and use them to lobby us to take more of our money. That's a misuse of tax dollars. They call it a violation of free speech. Now, uh, I'm, I'm looking for an article here that I also wanted to talk about. And, oh, here we go. Uh, let me scroll down here. There's a great article by Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association President John Kupal, C-O-U-P-O-L. And it talks about how government is uh, they know they're being illegal, but they think they can get away with it because there's nobody to prosecute them. And by the and and the fact is, uh, here it is. It's, the title is "Government Compounds Insult by Cheating on Tax Collection." And he says this happens in several ways. <clears throat> there are times when a government entity knows a tax is illegal, but imposes it anyway, either hoping no one will notice or knowing they can collect tons of revenue without the issue uh, while the issue is being resolved in court. So what's happening right now? Measure K is since I think April has there's been an extra 1% tax taken from all of you and it's being put in a holding fund until this court situation is settled. Now, um so John Kapal said this author's first experience with government's complete disregard of the law occurred 25 years ago in 1994 case of Hugazian Flowers 
versus San Francisco Education Finance Authority in an effort to circumvent Prop 13's two-thirds voter approval requirement for special taxes, San Francisco created an entity called an Education Finance Authority for the purpose of imposing a supplemental sales tax. Although the Court of Appeal easily saw through the charade and struck down the tax as illegal, the only remedy that was given was a small refund for a handful of retailers who filed the suit and filed for a refund on the tax. Thousands of businesses never received relief, and the city was allowed to keep millions in illegal tax proceeds. In other words, the city, even though the appeals court found them totally illegal, the tax was illegal, the money that was collected while they fought over it, they got to keep that money. It's totally amazing. So I wondered if Measure K is defeated or they lose the fight over this, and they and the ruling is it uh, it is not a legitimate tax, who gets that money? Because a lot of people are not going to file for refunds. In other words, if you're down, you get, you know, unless you buy a big item, like you buy a $100,000 motorhome, which costs you an extra $10,000, or an extra, sorry, an extra $1,000 in for this 1% tax, unless you file a refund on that, you're, they're going to keep it. But most of our sales taxes are a dollar here, $5 here, $6 here. So who gets that money? What, the, what happened in San Francisco is San Francisco got to keep illegal, illegally gained money. So it says here, taxpayers need to remain aware that government entities at all levels have no incentive to make things easy for the taxpayers. Like I mentioned earlier, that instead of 10 days for freedom of access, freedom of information access, it took a months to get us information on how much taxpayer dollars they spent to lobby us, which was illegal. They call it an education uh, effort. So they get around that. But the fact was, it was propaganda trying to sell this tax. So it says just one recent example uh, of illegal uh, incentives is one recent example involves L.A. County Recorder's Office and the implementation of Senate Bill Number 2, which said they can impose a $75 tax on documents filed in conjunction with real estate transactions. So you, you buy and sell some property, right? So now they could they can add another $75 of tax just as, just because on top of say, oh, we're processing these documents. If you've sold any real estate, bought any real estate, there's all kinds of fees in there, right? For them to process the paperwork so they can get you as a new person on the, on the deed, right? So, <clears throat> however, there's a $75 tax. However, there's an exemption from the tax for documents uh, recorded for transfers of residential real estate property to owners occupiers in other words if you go out and buy a, a house you weren't supposed to pay that tax despite the this article says despite the clear exemption many taxpayers ended up paying the tax because the process at the recorder's office was not clear in other words they didn't they just added it in there and the average person doesn't know the rules right so you just get this list of say this is what we're going to deduct out of the transfers of money from one person to another we're going to deduct this out of one person's cash or another right the buyer or the seller and nobody explained hey maybe if you're going to buy this as your home you don't have to pay it so in la county a man occupying his recently deceased mother's home was charged 75 dollars to record the notice of death 
and another $75 to record the grant deed formerly conveying the home from mom, mom's living trust to himself. He was willing and able to provide proof of owner occupancy, but was unable to secure a refund. In other words, the law said he was deserved a $150 refund, and the government just said, screw you. Not only do government entities, Kupal say, willingly violate the law, which happened in Yuba County, sometimes the laws themselves relating to tax collections create a bizarre Byzantine maze of procedures that have many taxpayers throwing up their hands and giving up on asserting their rights. That's just what's happening. You go to try, try to file a Freedom of Information Act request to find out how much money Yuba County spent on Measure K. I bet it's a quarter of a million dollars. Go ahead and file that and see how long it takes. In fact, I have a good friend that, that formerly worked as a law enforcement official uh, here locally who told me that if you do not file, if you don't know the wording to use and how to ask, that government authorities will skirt around your freedom of information request and not even they will uh, ignore the request unless you specifically ask over and over and over again and eliminate any loopholes that they can uh, get out of giving you the full amount of information. So he said a few, just a few of these procedural hurdles, John Kupal says, include having to exhaust administrative remedies, such as appearing at a hearing to protest attacks, the need to file a refund claim. You know, we all got charged for years now up in the foothills of another fire tax. On top of our taxes, we have another fire tax that we've been paying, and everybody's been filing these refunds, but it's been being fought over in court. Now, whether we ever get refunds or not, who knows? Maybe they'll just keep the money, right? Even though it'll be ruled illegal. Um, So anyway, um, he says, Kupal said, it is little surprise then that our state ranks 49th out of 50 in the quality of tax administration, according to the Council on State Taxation. Is it any? Can you find any comparison for the state of California when we don't we're now at the last of all 50 states and and these guys uh Governor Nuisance and the rest of them keep talking like California is this premier state we suck in every area whether it's education or business kindness to business uh whether it's road quality kindness to business education this is uh, in the quality of tax administration. And uh, so Kupal says what we need is a new law called Taxpayers Access to Justice, which will level the playing field in tax disputes with government entities, entities in California. It's interesting. If you file your taxes one day late, you pay your sales taxes one day late, you're screwed, right? But the, I'm telling you, the the government at all levels will screw you around and never pay any consequences for what's happening. So uh, I'm going to play you a clip right now, and then we'll move on to a different topic. I got a, I got a thing I just learned about yesterday uh, that just blew my mind. A guy called me up because he read the articles I write in the Territorial Dispatch, and uh, I'm, I'm going to bring you up to, to speed a little bit. I don't know the whole story yet, but it sounds bad. 
So um, this is a clip about, uh, you know, right now we have all these people saying that the uh, people are coming to this country for socialism. Actually, people are fleeing socialism all around the world to come to this country. And we have a bunch of liberal lefties that want to create socialism here. But they don't want to leave this country to go anywhere else where socialism has been because it's crappy. So I'm going to play this clip for you, and then we'll, uh, we'll come uh, right back. All right. I run for the bus here. And while I'm riding, I think of us here. I say a little prep for you. At work, I just take time. And all through my coffee break time, I say a little prep for you. No one wants to immigrate to a socialist country. The desperate people of Central America who come to our border are not actually refugees. They are economic migrants. They're lining up to come to our country because of our free enterprise system. Full stop, end of story. They come here for capitalism. They are fleeing socialism. They are fleeing dysfunctional, corrupt, crony governments. That's it not climate change. Which brings me, which brings me to the situation in Venezuela, which is dire and getting worse every day. It is purely ironic that AOC, a Latina, is the leader of America's socialist movement because no one knows better than Hispanics that these ideas do not work. The human heart desires freedom, and that includes economic freedom. Hispanics leave places like El Salvador and Mexico where connections to government and power are rewarded instead of ingenuity and hard work. Places where dictators promise utopia but have turned their countries into living hell. Not long ago, Venezuela was the richest country in Latin America. It was considered the jewel of Latin America. Today, it is the poorest. And by the way, Chavez fans, the Hollywood boys who were cheering him on, they've never had to apologize to the Venezuelan people either. Today in Venezuela, mothers with professional degrees, this is a story that was in the Washington Post, mothers with professional degrees are unable to feed their babies their children, they cross the border into Colombia to sell their bodies for groceries that they can't find or afford in Venezuela. I'm here to tell you that socialism leads to desperation. It leads to indignities. It leads to hunger. And it leads to death. You would know that if there wasn't a blackout in your textbooks about all the atrocities done in the name of socialism. That is the story of socialism, and that is the battle we are in right now. It is your job. It is your job to carry this torch. It is your job to be informed so you can help fight back and educate other young people who are being misled by teachers and professors and really dumb people like AOC. America proudly welcomes millions of lawful immigrants who enrich our society and contribute to our nation. 
but all Americans are hurt by uncontrolled illegal migration. It strains public resources and drives down jobs and wages. It's Sovereignty 101. This is our home, and we have not only the right, but the responsibility to determine who comes in, how many come in, and what qualities and qualifications they bring. The truth is, we let in millions, and of course, millions more want to come. Who can blame them? But it's simply not possible or desirable to let in everyone. And it's not hateful to say so. It's not hateful to protect our borders. It's not hateful to protect our citizens. It's not hateful to protect our values. Lady Liberty may be shedding tears, not because we've stopped welcoming immigrants, but because our ill-conceived immigration policies are threatening the American dream. People get ready. There's a train coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesel humming. You don't need no I was talking about government getting away with illegal taxes <clears throat> and then once the uh, the litigation is over while they the taxes being assessed and all this money is your money and my money is going into a special fund in San Francisco what happened when they overturned a tax is the the city got to keep the money anyway it's just unbelievable uh, how this works out and the difficulty is who did how do they get the money back to the people when they you know some people you know, you you can't just go in there and say, I want some money. You got to be able to prove it, right? It's just such a fiasco. Instead of like postponing the tax and saying, you know, since there's a protest, uh, they they let the tax go through and be collected. That's interesting when when we've twice voted, we've we've voted all kinds of things in California and the and the it goes to court and they put a stay on the activity. For instance, they said we voted one time to say, hey, uh, you can't, uh, there's got to be a 24-hour wait on abortion until parents are consulted. And instead of, like, letting that happen, they, the court, uh, the opposition filed a court action. And so it went into the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court of California threw it out, that you couldn't do that. But in the meantime, it, it didn't, it didn't uh, the law wasn't enacted, but on on taxes, they're enacting the law and the taxes are kept. Then then they can't figure out how to get the get the money back to the people who paid them that it was an illegal tax. But in terms of like marriage, the marriage initiative, abortion initiative, as soon as the lawsuits filed, all that all that's put on hold. It seems like taxes should be put on hold as well. In other words, if there's a complaint against the law that's initiated a tax to me they ought to put the whole thing ought to be put on hold until the thing is resolved in court again it's another effort to rip people off now i want to go back to you know we we've saw seen these uh, shootings and uh, the way they're publicized is it's all the nra's fault it's all the conservatives are fault and certainly it's donald trump's fault I don't think Donald Trump's ever shot anybody in his life, but it's all all his fault. And so the other thing that's being portrayed is that we have more uh, mass public shootings in the United States than anywhere in the world. And it's just flat a lie. 
So uh, this is comparing European countries to the U.S., Canada from two, uh, January 2009 to 2015. Somebody actually went and looked at this. So what do you think the number one country for mass shootings? Now, we're not talking about just one at a time, right? Uh, the numbers, uh, the figures for one at a time killings, one after another, after another, after another, after another. Uh, that that's a different list, but this is mass shooting. Somebody that goes in and just shoots indiscriminately, shoots a bunch of people. The number one country for that is Norway. The number two is Serbia. Number three is France. Number four, Macedonia. Number five, Albania. Number six, Slovakia. Number seven, Switzerland. Number eight, Finland. Number nine, Belgium. Number 10, the Czech Republic. Number 11, the United States. 12, Austria. 13, Netherlands. 14, Canada. 15, England, where there's no guns, supposedly, right? 16, Germany. 17, Russia. 18, Italy, right? That's the lineup. So America is uh, 11th. 11th out of... uh, where Norway, Serbia, France, Macedonia, Albania, Slovakia, Switzerland, Finland. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, Norway. Oh, they're socialists. Oh, it's just so much better. Belgium, Finland. Yeah, they got higher murder, you know, mass shooters. Think, oh, where do these mass shooters come from? Uh, so, anyway. Let's see. Uh, This organization took gun ownership and compared it to gun deaths, showing that places with fewer guns than the U.S. still had more murders, disproving the popular myth that more guns equals more gun deaths, right? That's the, that's the liberal argument, okay? So here's, here's kind of the theory behind this. When factoring in gun deaths per capita, homicide rates, and gun ownership rates compared to gun homicide rates— The U.S. is much safer than lots of other developed countries, according to Crime Prevention Research Center. The Crime Prevention Research Center had compiled a a study of mass shooting deaths from 2009 to 2015. Okay, that's where they get the deal. So, but they make you feel the liberal media who has an agenda to remove all the guns, just like in communist countries, they blame El Paso and Dayton on all us conservative folks we did it we killed these people ourselves so uh there's a myth the myth is that more guns equals more gun deaths it it does it's a lie it's a myth it may seem logical but it it isn't true so the organization that claims that a botched study published in 2016 reported uh that from 1966 to 2012, there were 90 public mass shootings in the U.S. and 202 in the rest of the world. They claim this study was deeply flawed but widely reported and spread the misinformation on U.S. shootings. So those statistics are totally incorrect, and the correct ones are what I read you. I didn't. It doesn't list here the total number of shootings. What it does is it. It uh, the way they compared this is from 2009 2015 they they listed 
They added up all the shootings, and they created a death rate per million people from mass public shootings. And so Norway led led the uh, the way with 1.888 death rate per million people from mass just mass public shootings, not just the individual homicide. Somebody goes out, stabs somebody, chokes somebody to death, right? So that's what that's what we're talking about here. Okay. All right. So. Uh, what I wanted to tell you is I was as we were talking about taxes and illegal taxes being put upon uh, the the people by the government and the government knows they're illegal or possibly illegal, but they go they see if they can, if anybody's going to squawk about it. Right. And so many times they they the term trial balloon. You ever heard that thing? We're going to send up a trial balloon. And see if this will fly. See if there's if no one complains. Let's just go ahead, and we'll uh, we'll pass it, right? So I so a guy calls me yesterday from Marysville. He's been a longtime resident of Marysville. Owns some property, rental property here, but lives in the city as well. And he had a little fire <clears throat> in one of his rentals <clears throat> in the garage, and the the fire department was called. And um, they put out the fire. And so uh, that was nice, right? You're happy for the fire department. Marysville is a pretty small little area. It's only like 3.2 or 3.4 miles in, uh, in square miles, so the whole city. And so we have our own police department, own fire department, which a lot of people think is really crazy, very odd. And a lot of my friends from other cities do. They think we can't believe you're affording to pay for this, how you can afford to pay for this tiny little area to have its own department. But that's what we have. So uh, this the uh, we just have one fire station that responds to all these, you know, within the city limits, 3.3 to 3.5. And some it goes outside the city limits as well a little bit. So the other day they sent this fellow who called me a bill. Got a bill for having a fire. You'd think that the enough punishment would be the inconvenience of having a fire and then having to use your insurance because it caused your rates to go up and you pay a deductible, right? So on top of the insurance, he he got a five thousand dollar bill from the city of Marysville for having a fire. So now, now I've read about this before, where governments trying to figure out where can we get more money. We want to we we want to take more money from the people. <clears throat> How can we get it? So one way they get it is charge people for every time the police come out, or if you have a car accident, or in other words, you charge for a service. Like if hey, if your plumbing gets screwed up, you call a plumber. You have to pay for the service. It's a private entity, right? But the question is, you 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 form a city or you form a county, and you pool some money. We call it taxes. You decide to tax yourself. To pay for a certain services. Now, most of the time, in fact, maybe all the time, when people organize a city or a county, what they wanted to do is have a higher quality of protection, protect my property, protect my life. And so they wanted police and fire. That was a primary reason for a city or a county. It wasn't that we should give our taxes to the city or county or state, and then they turn around and give it to other people, redistribution of wealth. It was merely to protect ourselves. So 
So you think, well, I thought <coughs> by being taxed and contributing fees, building fees and all kinds of fees, licensing fees towards the city or the county, that should cover uh, my police protection and fire protection. But the fact is, Marysville is saying now uh, that, you, I mean, this guy had a small fire. I don't know what would happen if his whole house had burned down. Uh, I told the insurance company that I deal with, I have house insurance. I live in the city of Marysville. And I said, hey, listen, quit raising the, the replacement value of the house. I'm not going to replace the house. If it burns down, I'm going to sell the lot and move. I'm not going to build another house where I'm sitting in marriage with all the homeless craziness going on. And particularly with, uh, all the surrounding residences looking funky. Like, why would you build a new house here? Right. That's crazy. So, uh, I told him to lighten the insurance costs up, but this guy's got charged 5,000. So I'm going to look into it and, uh, possibly write an article about it. Now there was a city and I can't quote you the, the location, but there was a YouTube, I don't know whether it was an article or a YouTube clip. But what happened is this city decided, uh, or maybe it was a county, decided instead of having the, uh, the district attorney prosecute code enforcement violations, uh, they would have a private law firm. They would put it out to bid and let a private law firm handle the prosecution uh, or the legalities of getting the money out of people on code enforcement violations. So maybe they drive by your house and you put up a fence and you didn't do it the way they like it to do, or the setback wasn't enough, or maybe they saw you putting on a new air conditioner and you didn't get a permit or something, 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 right? And so, so they would send you a bill and then file an action against you. Well, some people, the bills got so big from this private law firm doing business on behalf of the city that uh, they were going to lose their home. And so some of them filed a lawsuit against the city or the county, whichever it was, and said, hey, 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 wait a minute. We, if if we're going to have county and city codes, the city and county out it, we ought to be dealing with them, not with some private firm. And they, the 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 uh, the court system sided with the residents and totally overthrew this system of subcontracting the law enforcement, right? The or the uh, prosecution and the paying of these very extraordinary fees to a private group. So this, in this case, with the uh, fee for this guy having a fire, which it wasn't a frivolous fire, it wasn't like his, he said, I don't know whether homeless people got in there, Lou, or did start it on fire, but it wasn't his negligence, right? I could see if that's a negligent thing. You have a drug lab in a garage, a honey oil lab and you blow up the garage and the fire department has to come out. I could see that just like sometimes they'll, uh, law enforcement will confiscate, uh, assets that are being used with, with uh, illegal activity that, that makes some sense to me if they can prove that that's where the money came from to get those assets. 
But to pay $5,000 on on top, you have to insure the place. Then you have to, every time you improve a place, you have to pay a fee to the city to improve it, right? You want to do electrical work on your house. you got to go get an inspection. You can't just get a private inspection. you got to have the government come and inspect you and tell you how to do it. you got to pay them fees, building fees, right? But all that now, uh, on top of all that, now if you have a fire, they're going to charge you several thousand dollars, even if it's a small fire. Like you have a little kitchen fire, they're going to cause you several thousand dollars. So I thought that was pretty strange uh, and unfair. I'm, and I'm going to do some research and find where else in the country they're doing this and if they're getting away with it. But, you know, they just raised—I was telling somebody about this last night at a meeting I was at, and they said, wait a minute, Lou, didn't, didn't the city of Marysville just raise taxes 1%? I said, they did, and they're bringing in 2 or $3 million a year. And they, they just started laughing because it's so typical of government is just— trying to just cash in, cash in, cash in. Now they're cashing in on your difficulties. I, I assume the next thing would be if you have a heart attack uh, and they and the fire rescue has to show up, they'll charge you for that as well. So what a bummer. Well, Berkeley, you know, a couple of, Berkeley is on our roll right now, uh, Berkeley, California. A couple of weeks ago, uh, well, let me let me before we get into Berkeley, I want to tell uh, mention uh, one of our sponsors and uh, make, we'll pick up Berkeley and roll it over into the next uh, next segment. But I wanted to remind you that uh, <clears throat> if your uh, spouse is complaining about the bathroom, maybe you got mold in the bathroom or you got an old leak or the floor's looking funky, or it needs to be painted, and you think, oh, this I hate this window in here. Uh, or a kitchen, it's like the 1950s-look kitchen or 70s-look kitchen. You got those old colors or old tile or what they remember, formica. People always know that term, formica, on a countertop. But uh, if you're looking for somebody to really <clears throat> revolutionize your house and make it like a, a showstopper. Uh, the guy you need to call is Dave Greenitz, green with ETZ on it. Dave Greenitz Construction. They're the best in the area. That's just the way it is. <clears throat> you don't have to take my word for it. <clears throat> you can look on their uh, <clears throat> construction website <clears throat> and their their Facebook site. And you could check out their work, see whether you like it, see whether the styles, they'll do any style you want, but I mean, you can see what other people have done with their place. I'm, I'm amazed because I'm, I'm not gifted in that way of looking at a pretty rough situation or a real dated looking uh, room and then seeing a whole new look. I'm not good at that. So when I see it, I, I'm, I'm always, uh, I love it. I love to look at it and say, oh, that's unbelievable what they did right there. That's such an improvement. Like way, it's may, way more than 100% improvement. It's like, it's like just amazing. So if you want to check out uh, some, you know, some ideas and you're thinking about redoing your, even redoing your front door. Or, in fact, a friend of mine at uh, also promotes the show here, helps us promote the show. Uh, he's wanting to do a deck on his house. We had a deck when I was raised. They, we had a, lived in a smaller house, but they added a big deck, and 
it was really awesome, man, because uh, we have so many pleasant days here in California, and you can cut down on your utilities. So Greens Construction can help you with a remodel in your kitchen, bath, and uh, your your front door, put on a nice new front door, put on a deck. Also can suck all the hot air out of your house by putting in a whole house fan. You want to get out from under that big old funky utility bill? Gnarly, man. You run that central air conditioning. It's really cool. People say, I don't know how you do it with fans in your house. You got to do central air. I don't want that three or $400 bill. I'd rather use it for cool stuff, good stuff. So greenitzconstruction.com. Uh, or you could Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook, and you're going to see some amazing. I'm telling you, it's going to it's going to cause you to think through. Boy, I'd love to have that bathroom in my place, right? So you can call them if you want, or you can email them. All right, off the website uh, at GreenitzConstruction.com, or you can call them up if you want at five three zero six eight two nine six zero two. Uh, one thing, uh, if, if you've never had much experience with c contractors, it's not unusual to call them, make an appointment, and them not show up. It's sad, but uh, you'd think they'd do that since there's business out there. But uh, when you do business with Dave, you're going to get what you ask for. And if you want a meeting, you're going to get a meeting. You're going to get him stopping by. So uh, I asked him when I went to Vietnam, I said, hey, can you make some repairs over here and put in a uh, i need a fan in the studio where we broadcast out of and came back all done everything's cool clean all done beautiful all right we're gonna uh i'm gonna play a clip uh right now <clears throat> uh about hillary's america this is dinesh d'souza this will rock your world this clip so uh check it out then we'll we'll i think we got one more segment and we'll call it a day so we'll be right back. Something told me it was over. When I saw you and her talking. Something deep down in my soul said cry, girl. Clip from Hillary's America, filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza explores a claim often heard from Democrats that the Republican Party is racist. I want to name some prominent people who have been involved with America's racial history. And I'd like you to tell me simply if they were Republicans or if they were Democrats. Okay. Let's begin with the inventor of the positive good school of slavery, the idea that slavery was a good idea, Senator John C. Calhoun. Democrat. What about the writer of the Dred Scott decision authorizing slavery and claiming that blacks have no rights that a white man ought to respect Roger Tawney? That sounds like a Democrat. What about the founder of the Ku Klux Klan, Nathan Bedford Forrest, who was also a Confederate general? Democrat. Let's now talk about a few more figures in American history who resisted racial oppression. Abraham Lincoln. Republican. His Secretary of State Seward. Republican. What about the two leading senators who championed the cause of abolitionism, uh, Thaddeus Stevens and Sumner? Well, they were Republicans. What about uh, Frederick Douglass, the runaway slave who became a champion of the abolitionist movement? Republican. Well, there you have it. Dinesh D'Souza is a documentary filmmaker and creator of Hillary's America, the smash success thus far. Dinesh, great to see you. So why, why are you releasing this now? 
Uh, because I think most people don't know this stuff, Megan. I think that if you asked most Americans, and most black Americans in particular, which was the party of slavery, segregation, and the Ku Klux Klan, they would say that's probably the Republican Party. But the truth is that that was the Democratic Party. It has a very sordid history. It's never uh, acknowledged it. It's never made any restitution for it. It's never apologized for it. What it really has done is taken the blame for what it did and put it on the South or put it on America. So, so how did part of what how I'm did doing the narrative in this start to change in this country such that so many people just say, oh, those, those Republicans, they're racist? Well, part of it is that the, uh, the Democrats have uh, put forward this idea of a big switch. And the idea is that the Democrats became racially enlightened in the 1960s, and all the racists became Republicans. Now, this notion of a big switch is completely fictional. It rests on one guy, Strom Thurmond, who was, in fact, a Democrat, a racist Democrat. He did become a Republican. But all the other racist Democrats, hundreds of them, uh, we put actually in the film a list of 1,500 racist Democrats on the screen, less than 1% of them switch to the Republican Party. So the big switch is actually, Megan, a what big about, lie. You know, affirmative action is one issue on the Republicans, on which the Republicans generally object and the Democrats generally favor it. That's something that some folks use as evidence of, you know, a, a racial bias on the part of the Republicans. But it really isn't, because if you think about it, the uh, affirmative action is really a form of racial preference. Now, the Democratic Party had racial preferences for whites for many, many decades. Now they have racial preferences for blacks. Both are equally opportuni opportunistic. They had the racial preferences to, for whites to maintain the Democratic Party as the party of white supremacy in the South. Now they're doing it to basically buy votes. In either case, it's cynical exploitation. It's not okay, really a principled question. stance. Last question. Do you ever sneak into the back of the movie theater and watch your own movie? I do, and the, the sight of people just standing up and applauding at the end and tears streaming around their cheeks. Megan, it's the most beautiful feeling in the world. I got a lot of good childhood memories growing up, but now moving on to that next phase in my life. I just got married recently. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I know, I didn't mean to blind y'all, sorry. I know, it's real sparkly. <laughs> Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still Angie from the block. When I first started telling people that I got married, like a lot of people were surprised. They were like, what? Oh my God, I didn't even know. I thought you were a lesbian. Surprise! <laughs> Ponytails because I'm lazy, not a lesbian. <laughs> but thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. One time this girl tried to hit on me, right? And it started becoming like a regular thing. So I asked her, I was like, uh, let me ask you a question. What is it about me that makes you think that I'm a lesbian? And her honest to God answer was, well, in your YouTube video, you say that you like your nails short, you don't have a boyfriend, and I notice that you always wear your hair in a ponytail. So I guess that's all it takes to make the team. Just that and drive a Subaru. You want to be in our team, you got to roll in an Outback. <laughs> or a Vespa. 
or as I like to call them, lespas. <laughs> you enjoyed Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, I love to listen to that guy. He's, he's just bright. I always have <clears throat> more prepared, which is my personality, uh, than I have time to talk about. But uh, I'm going to finish by talking a bit about the Boy Scouts. And just uh, <clears throat> this is another example of when the left uh, demands to have control of nonprofit organizations and they they attack they begin attacking them they destroy them so you can look at one organization after another <clears throat> the girl scouts have been led primarily now by lesbians uh, and uh like if girls you know want to be you know girl scouts is open to everybody but uh when you if you're not lesbian and you send your girls to the Girl Scouts, and they're promoting Planned Parenthood and abortion and lesbianism. Uh, that, for a lot of American families, that that aren't that those aren't their values. So when you send your your children to a group like that, which was uh, historically known as a really positive, uh, uplifting group. It's troubling when your values aren't being represented. The same has happened now in the public school system where the left unions, left unions now have, have determined that they're going to present not just reading, writing, arithmetic, history, but it, everything has got an agenda to it. And uh, you're going to now hear about pro-abortion, transsexuality, gender changes, all that kind of baloney uh, in the schools as opposed to just getting a good education. So uh, <clears throat> a few years ago, when I uh, about 15 years ago when I worked at Church of Glad Tidings, the local Boy Scout Council came to us and said, hey, we, we're looking on it. We want to expand scouting and we need some hosts, sponsors. So our church sponsored, I think the troop was called 647, Troop 647, and uh, we just recruited parents to to run this troop. And one of the guys who stepped forward was a guy named George Shaw, who's been around here for years. His dad used to teach uh, at Yuba College. In fact, I, he was one of my instructors in political science when I attended Yuba College. His name was also George Shaw. And uh, But uh, the George Shaw that I got to know uh, worked in, uh, had a master's degree, I think, in counseling social work, and then went back to school, got a degree in, as a lawyer, and uh, worked for the state of California for a while. But uh, George volunteered to lead this troop, or form this troop, and uh, so they had, we had a Cub Scout and a Boy Scout group. And so it was very successful for a number of years, and quite a few young men, uh, attained the uh, the level of Eagle Scout, which is a huge accomplishment. Very proud of a number of guys. We had a number of 
uh, fellows in the church that volunteered to lead this group. One was a military guy. Another was a, a fellow that had a large family. A number of his boys ended up going to West Point and uh, graduating and becoming military men. So it was a great group of guys, and we're very proud of the accomplishments of this group. Did a lot of good for the, the community. But the sad thing is when the Boy Scouts began uh, finally to uh, open the doors to homosexual leaders. So any organization, uh, any organization, schools, public schools, private schools, churches, uh, Little League, any organization where people are involved, there is always a concern for people getting involved for the wrong reasons and uh, coaching or whatever, and then taking advantage of uh, the youngsters. And in fact, I was watching one of the Olympic f female Olympic gymnastics uh, people on uh, being interviewed yesterday and she was talking about how difficult it was to trust anybody because she was being molested throughout her years growing up as a very young woman young child through the gymnastics things and was actually molested by a medical doctor over and over again and even by coaches and abused and how difficult it was to trust people to help her with her injuries or therapy and uh, while well, she's been abused by the very people she trusted. So it isn't unusual that we've had situations locally where, where counselors and teachers have molested people, a uh, homosexual, a lesbian teacher in, in uh, Live Oak groomed a young student, and when she finally graduated, they moved in together. Uh, uh, we've had uh, teachers have sex with students, in our system, we just had a teacher uh, have some sort of relations. We were unclear what they did at Juvenile Hall, and she ended up marrying him when he got transferred over to Yuba County Jail. Uh, we've had some pretty bizarre stuff. So let's be adult about it, if you will, and say that people are people. And uh, even in churches, I, I mentioned earlier, uh, People have been molested by leaders in churches. We have a huge epidemic of that being found out with the Catholic Church. But now the Boy Scouts are, are having a pedophilia epidemic. And so whether it's pedophiles, homosexuals joining the ranks of being a priest and, and having access to many, many young people, or whether they're now— uh, Scoutmasters, troop leaders in the Boy Scouts. Uh, there's been a group now organized called Abused in Scouting. It's an organization, and lawyers have pooled together to fight the Boy Scouts. I'm, my hunch is the Boy Scouts will probably be shut down, and, uh, and other different types of organizations will be formed uh, with new rules, new new. Uh, policies. But because of the opening up of Boy Scouts, there always has been probably abuses, and they've rooted out people that uh, abused children. But the fact is, if, when it when they were forced by society uh, to take in homosexual leaders 
people began to bail out of the Boy Scouts. But now we have uh, these lawyers filing suit. They've identified 350 previously unknown scoutmasters and volunteers who preyed on boys. That's amazing. And uh, he, this uh, Tim Kosnoff uh, said, you can't look at these files and not come to the conclusion that this was a massive problem that was hidden. We know that when a pedophile abuses a victim, it's not just one added attorney, Stuart Eisenberg. So each of the 350 abusers have dozens of other victims who have not even come forward yet. Uh, and so they're looking, what they're doing is they're looking at the files of, of the Boy Scouts. And uh, shoot, my computer jumped up here. So hold on here. Let me get back to where uh, I lost my spot here. So anyway, they're looking through these files of Boy Scouts where they've had people, just like at Glad Tidings, I, I instituted a, a system with anybody that worked with child, child care babies on up to... Uh, to older kids that they would have to go through a background check. Uh, we used to fingerprint our own people. Now we have live scan systems, but uh, we had a background check, asked some questions like, have you ever been molested? Have there ever been problems like that in your life? All those kind of things to determine whether these people are the type of people we want to put in with children and, and tempt them. And, uh, so now there's a attack. Uh, it looks like the Boy Scouts are actually going to file for bankruptcy, and I'm I'm wondering whether it's going to be go completely out of business again. This is where liberals step into an organization and uh, their practices destroy an organization. Liberalism only works on college campuses where it never really gets tested. Things get tested out in real life. So when the people say. Oh, well, we want socialism. Socialism only works on the college campus. When you try it in real life, it just it's kind of one of those deals. Don't try this at home. Right. Uh, so uh, they're they're identifying abusers, hundreds of abusers and uh, and trying to find where the vic victims are. So in a quick review of the abused and scoutings, uh, they have a lawyer's spreadsheet. NBC News found that at least a half dozen former scout leaders had been previously unmasked as predators and were listed in uh, a set of files called so-called perversion files. Uh, they've also identified people that have never been prosecuted and uh, facing the Boy Scouts said facing mounting legal costs from defending themselves against lawsuits. This is an organization I think started in two, uh, 1910. Um, it's an amazing thing that started, and it there's so many amazing leaders in our country that have been uh, uh, brought forth by the Boy Scouts and and got their start and trained in leadership uh, lessons, etc. So. Uh, it says here that the Boy Scouts long have been considered a bastion of traditional values. The BSA had, as of 2016, more than 1.26 million Cub Scouts. Uh, 
830,000 Boy Scouts and around 960,000 adult volunteers. Well, anytime you have nearly a million adult volunteers, you're going to have some in there that are bad apples and need to be rooted out. It's true of any organization, any college, public or private, any school, elementary school, you're going to have problems. Um, I just saw where I was talking to my friend, a law enforcement official who been working with some schools and uh on active shooters issues and also on on uh, sex trafficking and stuff and i think la school district settled it was up towards two million two hundred million dollars in payouts for a guy at miramontes elementary school who sexually abused we don't even know how many hundreds of kids over two-decade career so uh, uh, this organization it's really sad it this organization has been around a hundred years and has done a lot of good and uh, now will be destroyed because of having to introduce homosexuals to the uh, to the scouting and uh and pedophiles, right, who are preying on children. That's just what's happening. They think, well, all homosexuals don't prey on children. Yeah, I don't think they do. But they're, uh, the research that I've seen on homosexual behavior is that many, many young people are jumped into homosexual behavior by older, um, I'll just speak for the men, and I've actually had one lady who was a victim at Live Oak High School who called me and was now wanting to file uh, spousal abuse charges against her teacher, who now was her lover, supposedly, right? But she was groomed while she attended Live Oak High School and uh, as a, as a, a minor. So it's happening. I had a, a talk with a school official this week. And I just discussed the epidemic of women women having sex and have a, a variety of different types of inappropriate, inappropriate relations with young men all over the United States. And uh, it seems like the school systems are not able to deal with it. They couldn't deal with the Jim Whitaker issue in, in Sutter County uh, where they, they, you know, I had a school official said, well, you know, Whitaker never was actually prosecuted. And I said, yeah, that's a problem, right? It's a problem when you have woman after woman after woman. It's one thing if you have a woman that uh, falsely accuses someone, but when you get 100% of the women accusing somebody, woman after woman after woman for all kinds of walks of life who do not want, are not asking for money, and they keep accusing, and it's, the school system does not do anything about it. No discipline. <clears throat> and the law enforcement does not do anything about it. That's a problem in the system. That's not a problem with the women. What happens in those situations is people don't come forward anymore. That's what happens in those situations. People say, I'm not going to come forward. Why would I? I had one woman at Yuba City High School <clears throat> who's now in her 30s, probably approaching 40 who said, why would I come forward now? My kids are in that school, and I don't want to humiliate 
my kids uh, with accusing a teacher of molesting me when I was there. So she just wants to walk away from the thing, right? So pretty soon if, if people think, well, that won't even do any good, it doesn't make any difference, people think, hey, uh, you know, it's interesting. I've had people all, when I worked at Glad Times, oh, you guys, you guys, are, you, I think you guys are mandated reporters, people in the government, right? Oh, you guys, oh, you guys. And the government doesn't even follow its own rules. It's interesting at school, they're all mandated reporters. You think they mandate report? They 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 actually do the reports they're supposed to? They don't. If a person, they they liked a person, it's accused of molestation. It's the same way they move them around. They move them from school to school. It's the same thing as when the, I, I studied a, a big report with the Northern California Diocese of the Catholic Church. And it was a history of moving priests around. If a priest got into trouble in one diocese, they moved them. Or, or one one congregation, they moved them. Instead of prosecuting them, instead of kicking them out, they moved them. That's what's happening with, with in the case of Jim Whitaker. They moved him. Now he's over at the Yuba County Office of Education, and he's got a teaching job over there. And I want I want you to think about the last time you heard of a teacher being fired. It it they almost have to rape somebody or slit somebody's throat. And I don't even know whether that'll get them out anymore uh, to keep their job. So when somebody, I was talking to a teach a, official at an, a, a, a district this week. And I said, how hard is it to kick out a teacher? And they said, Oh, it's incredibly hard. I said, Yuba city unified did it with, and, and did not have to have a lawsuit. Hold that thought. I don't care whether somebody didn't prosecute someone or not. That, that speaks volumes about the law enforcement agencies in Sutter County that they didn't prosecute, right? Or maybe the school didn't report it, right? They didn't do anything about it. Like uh, Principal Highland, uh, when he was over, he just couldn't, he's still alive. They said, didn't you know anything about this when it went, went down about this woman? Oh, I I don't remember anything about that. Didn't remember anything about that. It's convenient. I tell you, I, you know, I worked for twenty years at Glad Tidings. I remember I remember anything gnarly that happened. Anything gnarly that happened, I remember that I had to, that I had responsibility to sort out as a leader. You don't forget those. You don't forget those high points. You may forget the other stuff. You may forget a lot of small stuff, but you don't forget controversial stuff dealing with people that have done gnarly stuff. So, hey, I want to mention one more uh, outfit that that helps me and stay on the air here, and that's uh, the plumbing doctor. And uh, they can get your plumbing. Plumbing is a bummer, isn't it? Plumbing is a big bummer when you have backed up stuff or broken pipe or your water line doesn't work coming in it blows up or you got a leak and all of a sudden you look and you your water bill is fantastic you think i didn't use that much water i haven't even been home a lot all of a sudden you got a big old water bill that's leaking out on your the line coming into your house and just meters going nuts boy over in marysville you want to watch every drop it's just like liquid gold over here with the price we pay for water and um, 
So if, if you need some help and you, you can, you, they'll come out any time of the night or day and they'll solve your problem. Plumbing doctor, it's six seven five three zero six seven one nine one one one. They're located here in Yuba City. But they'll they'll work their surrounding counties pretty good, and uh, they'll if you need them in the middle of the night, they'll they'll get out there. You're gonna have a big dinner engagement. You need to solve a toilet problem, or you got some kind of a crazy thing going on with your pipes or something. They'll solve it. Six seven one nine one one one. And uh, they will they will help solve your problem. We're going to call it a, a day, and we'll see you uh, next week. And, uh, you know, if you're out there running around and you run into somebody you've never met before, you might uh, take some extra time and get to know them and be kind to them because the Bible says you, you know, always want to be careful because you might meet a stranger and they could be an angel and you weren't aware of it. So, you know, we're supernatural. We think we think on the natural primarily, but but the Bible says we're primarily supernatural creation. So hold that thought. All right, we'll see you next week on Saturday for a new show. And thanks for listening to No Hostages Radio. See we're you so later. Glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody. Sugar to kiss, sugar to kiss. I need you.